Are you ready to go off script? Let's see how the Bible challenges the roles the world has written for us. Well, welcome back. Today we're wrapping up our off script series on stewardship. We've looked at stewarding the earth, stewarding your body, stewarding your image, and today stewarding your resources. We all have resources, right? Whether money, time, talents, or skills. The question is, how should we manage these resources? How does my faith affect how I steward my resources? In this episode, we conclude our series on stewardship by talking about finances, work, contentment, retirement, volunteering, industriousness, and laziness. We conclude that, as with all areas of life, we need to seek God's glory with our resources. Here now is Off Script 33, Stewarding your resources. Today we're talking about stewarding our resources and to start off as with so many subjects creation theology is really the key foundation place because if we think that our resources are our own and that we are to do with them whatever we like then you, we're, we're going to have one mindset but if we look at Everything is coming from God as being in some sense derived or contingent on God's good creation. Then suddenly we want to ask the question, well, what does God think about how I use whatever resources I might have, whether money, whether time, whether skills? Uh, I think in this conversation we want to focus a little bit more on the financial end because that's kind of the more complicated out of, out of everything. But as Christians, we don't just say, well, I want that, so I buy that. It's a little bit more to it where we want to bring God into the equation and say, well, does God want me to have this, or is this something that I should spend money on, or what should I do here? So, Rose, where should we start in the Old Testament, do you think, to look at this subject? There are many places you could jump in, but I like to start in um, Psalm 24, which is it's that psalm that talks about the king of glory, which is Yahweh. But it starts out um, in verse one with the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. And I believe we know this to be true, um, but even as dedicated Christians, we have a lot of moments when we think, yes, the earth is the Lord's, but my stuff is my stuff. As we grow deeper in God and as we understand his magnitude more and more, I think this will grow deeper in our hearts that all that we have is really his and that we are stewards on his behalf. I've also always been challenged by some verses in First Chronicles 29, which is um, words spoken by David at the temple dedication. They're so excited with this beautiful temple that they are consecrating to God. But David realizes that even, even such an amazing and beautiful building that will be built to the glory of God is actually very small um, in comparison to God's own greatness. David says, and now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we've provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. 
Sean, have your kids ever uh, made you food or made you a craft out of supplies in your own kitchen or your yes. own closet? <laughs> Something like that. Absolutely. I yeah. remember for Father's Day getting money from my mom to buy, which she was a stay-at-home mom. So it was really my dad's money and just <laughs> chuckling at sort of the absurdity of that. Like, oh, here's, you know, 50 bucks. Go get your dad something for, you know, for Father's Day. Oh, yeah, me like, too. Isn't, it, isn't this his money? <laughs> Shouldn't I just give him the money? <laughs> well, in both ways, like one parent would give you money for the right. other parent. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I can speak as a father. It is still meaningful, even though you know it's your money. Yeah. That the kid actually made an effort. It still matters. Right. And I think that God feels that way when we give him attention or we choose to spend our time or affection or resources on something that brings attention or glory to him, that it does bless his heart mm -hmm. you know and as far as god's concerned like whatever analogy you just use there is like a thousand times a million mm -hmm. times more because mm -hmm. literally every spinning electron every neuron that somehow ends up like a lightning bolt working its way through our brain to complete a thought is really in its base level from him originally mm. i mean he is the source of everything mm -hmm. And so there, there's just no way to get around that, you know, and, and I'm sure he's fine with it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just the way he set it up. It's actually incredible in scripture how much joy us blessing him actually gives him. Yeah. He cares so much that he gets excited about it and not just like, all right, that's cute. He loves it. I love that verse 14 where it says, for all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. That's the sentiment there that mm -hmm. we have to recognize that all resources are ultimately God's and that we are stewards as opposed to owners. And I believe that even though one might say, oh, well, that's putting yourself under a burden and you're, you're losing your freedom to make choices and all this, I honestly think when it comes to this subject that we will have more freedom if we can somehow put a little distance between us and ownership than if we do look at ourselves as the sole proprietors of these resources, whatever they might be. Mm -hmm. and, and there are lots of parables and this sort of thing that Jesus talks about regarding the steward and the manager and the person who's in charge of various resources. So I think that's a helpful approach. Yeah, and as much as it's a sentiment, I think it's also a mindset that you have to have, particularly when it comes to those times of the month when you have to pay bills or you have, or you have to budget for tithing and you know the, the various um constraints that just modern life puts upon finances yeah. i think it's a good attitude to have uh and a good mindset to have absolutely and do you guys feel this way i mean i think our financial situations are are different because of just the nature of our households but like i bet we all feel there's never enough mm. and mm -hmm. we're always like making decisions between this or that mm -hmm. yeah um, for sure and like even if even if you get money somehow just like for a birthday okay. or tax return tax return you 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 know it's still the, i don't know it's just like in my life i've never gotten like such a chunk of money that i was just like woo yeah do whatever i want with this like, so it's like all right well this should probably go over here right it's already <laughs> earmarked <laughs> i mean i used to feel like that when i was like really little when i got 20 bucks um but no time recently yeah. So, <laughs> oh, to feel that way again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with $20. So then the big question becomes, how do we prioritize what we decide to spend our money on and do it in a way that brings glory to God? As with the stewardship series all along, that's really the driving motivator is doing all things to the glory of God. And 
I, th- I think we live in a in a time, and we've talked about this in a previous off script on consumerism, where there are so many forces at work to convince us to live above our means, to buy what we cannot afford, and to raise our standard of living to match what other people have. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, we can put ourselves into bondage because you know, when we're, when we're in debt, then we have to pay not only what we owe, but then also interest on it, mm-hmm. right? And then that interest can compound as well. So that's, that's something to consider as far as this whole equation. I think there's also the whole subject of giving. Is giving important to God? We look at what the Bible says from an Old Testament perspective. For example, in Deuteronomy 15, it says to give to the poor. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this the lord your god will bless you and all your work and all you undertake for there will never cease to be poor in the land therefore i command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother so there is this ethic of abundance or this mindset of abundance mm-hmm. where god's going to take care of you and this is even before they enter the land before they possess the country of israel their mindset is supposed to be, look, God's going to take care of you. He's just trained them for 40 years in the wilderness with the manna and caring for them that they can trust in him. And look, if you trust in God, then it's a lot easier to handle our finances or our resources in a way that isn't fear-based. Because mm-hmm. I feel like so much is fear-based. Whereas, I mean, we live in an age where you have to have insurance for everything. And even this year, they're just today, I heard they're they're reworking the health insurance and they're going to find some new way to do health insurance. And then, of course, you have car insurance. And what is insurance? Insurance is like, hey, you're never going to be able to afford this situation when it goes wrong. So let's just like pay somebody else so that in the off chance, you know, it's all fear based. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not I'm not trying to say you shouldn't have insurance. That's not the position I'm taking. It just illustrates mm-hmm. the difference between our culture and the culture God was trying to engineer with ancient Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think to whatever degree we can embrace that mindset of abundance and generosity in our own little lives, in our own little ways, that is something that really can, number one, lend to human flourishing in our own lives, and number two, testify to others that like, hey, there is wisdom that comes from God, and it, and it does work. It's also freeing in the sense that if God's in control, then you don't have to be. God will provide. It says that he clothes the the birds. How much more will he will he look after you? Not that that makes us immune from, from money worries. Um, certainly not myself. You know, I worry about it. But I also, when I do start to stress about, you know, big expenses that are coming up or big expenses that occur, you know, just the underlying bedrock of knowing that God is in control is comforting and and it's a freeing thought to come back to and to and to meditate on you ever think about homeless people yeah and ask yourself how in the world did you get to such a situation where you you literally have no more safety nets left and you're on the street and 
you're you know dependent on whatever soup kitchens or shelters are available or people giving you money like sometimes i, I think about that and in light of what i just read here in, in deuteronomy how it says that we are to have this family mindset towards our fellow believers right and 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 this is something that as as a pastor i've seen many times and the way we do it in our church is very much shaped by what Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So we don't like, when we help somebody financially who's in a situation where they're they're in dire need, we don't like bring them up on a Sunday and be like, <laughs> John Smith over here is uh, about to get booted out of his apartment, so we decided to give him 500 bucks for his rent. You know, like yeah. just wouldn't, you know, but then this the sort balloons of thing, come down from the ceiling. Yeah, this, <laughs> this sort of thing does happen from time to time. And then there are, there are some people that we, we support on a regular basis because of whatever situation they're in. There's just there's just no way that they're gonna th- that they can make it without help. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the fact that you know as a family we should if we know somebody that is in a situation where they you know sometimes it happens with like a car repair where like you're hit with this car repair if you can't get this car fixed now right like Rose you were in this situation not too long ago right. Uh, I've been there before. You can get this car fixed now. You're not going to be able to go to work tomorrow oh, to make yeah. money to fix your car. <laughs> and if and if you don't go to work tomorrow, you can't save money to fix your car if you're mm-hmm. not working because then you yeah. just got fired, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, it really is a catch twenty two. So, as the the family of God, like having this mindset says not just like a random poor person on the side of the road, but especially with those who are part of the family of God that we would share with each other where there is need and i i have received that myself and i've given it and i and i tell you what it's a lot different than going to a bank Mm. and saying hey i need a loan or going to the government you know hey can i get this Mm -hmm. you know whatever policy in effect in my in my life with a brother or sister it's just like it's motivated by love and that makes all the difference in the world and i think this is a beautiful ideal i think also the early church did this Mm -hmm. you look at acts 4 acts 3 acts 2 that's what they did. They ended poverty among believers right. by sharing their resources. And I think this is, this is a really cool legacy among uh, Christians that we have, to, we have to fight for in every generation. Do you guys have anything else on that? Uh, I read Psalm 119, and I always read where um, the psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. And he wasn't talking about the word of God as we think about it now, and he certainly wasn't thinking about the epistles. He was thinking about the Mosaic law. And you read things like this, and for a law that... um, for so many people has been boiled down to a thou shalt not law. It's amazing to see all the things that God commanded um, instead of don't do the things that God said do. And these things, it's our God that mandated generosity Mm. and that said, open your hand to the poor, open your hand to your brother, do these things. And I mean, there's stuff in there like if you see your neighbor's ox walking down the road, if you see the donkey, go get it, tie it up, wait for them to come. That sort of care and, um, and taking initiative to to look out for them and to really call them your brother and call them your neighbor this is why the psalmist said oh how i love your law Um, i meditate on it day and night because it was so beautiful and because we have a god who has entrusted us uh, with the gifts that he has given us with our resources with the abilities to help others this is the kind of stewardship that he wants from us yeah and you see it in little ways too like when somebody needs to move God's people show up and, mm. we, and we move that person. And it's like, that's just a little silly example where the person's either going to be 
totally overwhelmed and like moving for days, little trips over and over and over again, or having to hire somebody to right. get it done. And uh, I've seen it countless times where the family comes together and we get it done in like a couple of hours. And you have mm-hmm. fun while you're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and there is that camaraderie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I wonder what you guys think about lower, middle, and upper class as far as Christian stewardship. I always think of Proverbs 30. The sayings of Agar. <laughs> yeah, Rose, you like that one too, huh? I had it highlighted right here. <laughs> uh, this is Proverbs 30, verse 80. He says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Uh, so, I mean, that's really a God-motivated prayer mm-hmm. i mean he doesn't want to be so fat and and comfortable that he doesn't depend on god anymore mm-hmm. and he also doesn't want to be so poor that he's got to go and steal because that dishonors god so i i just love that reasoning it's so god focused mm-hmm. but of course there are christians in every economic realm there are crazy rich christians there are lots of middle class christians there are lots of lower class christians as far as economics go but I, I think this is an interesting ideal to, to pray for. Yeah. <laughs> I've been very impacted by that verse um, every time I come across it. And it's the idea, I think it's a clear view of God and a clear view of yourself. You understand God's dependence and you, un- or sorry, you understand your dependence on God and then you understand God's provision for you. And that you'll walk closely, but either the lack of money or the abundance of money, neither of them is going to be a problem in your life. Mm. And hopefully you will be able to steward and help others um, from time to time as God enables you. Sort of being at the essentials, but being at a comfortable place might be an ideal place for many of us to serve God, where we're not constantly just trying to make ends meet, but we're not so awash in abundance that it becomes a distraction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think of the example of having like a really expensive car mm. and uh, there is a burden with that where now you're uncomfortable to park it downtown right. in the city when you go out to a restaurant because now people are going to be looking at it or you, you don't want to park near the front of the grocery store. You want to park way in the back so right. nobody dings it with their car door when they open it. Um, so there is like that aspect to, to, to riches. I know I know plenty of Christians that can steward their wealth in a, in a way that it, the wealth does not own them, and they're and they have a freedom in that. And I know plenty of poor folks that are obsessed with money, mm-hmm. and they're what whatever they have is still just like dominating their lives. That to just that get that extra nickel, mm. you know, whatever it costs. And then you have plenty of folks in the middle where they're just working themselves to the bone because they bought a house that they really probably couldn't afford or mm-hmm. they bought a car that was just the payments were too high and now they have to, to work a, a double time just, just to make ends meet. So regardless of where you're at, I mean, you really want God to be the focus. And I, I think you're right as far as like it, the poverty aspect. I mean, if you are in grinding poverty where you're only concerned every day, and there are plenty of people in this situation in the world where it's just like, how do I get my next meal? Mm-hmm. Right. Then yeah, it really is a lot harder to live a God-centered lifestyle. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. I found in my travels in Africa that people who were dirt poor, as, as they were in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and the Republic of the Congo, that people that didn't have you know two pennies to rub together were much more dependent on God, or they seemed to be. 
when we traveled over there you know these people who do struggle for their next meal i mean they they served us with with great compassion and you know a, a lot of food um I just remember feeling like, wow, these people have nothing and look how they're treating us who compared to them have everything and they have to rely on God for absolutely uh, everything. And I, and I found myself wondering if, if they were better off in terms of their spiritual health than, than I was because I could go to the store and get food and buy food at, at the drop of a hat and I do, but they, they really have to depend on God. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there. At the same time, it's a lot more justifiable to steal food if you're hungry, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, or if you're going to self-rationalize it. I, I think what you said is is true, and I've seen that, not in that country, but in other countries. But I think at the same time, it is a lot easier to do things for God when you have at least the food and shelter aspect covered. Right. You know, yet at the same time, like, we fill our lives so much that even though, like, food and shelter, like, my, you know what my issue with food is? It's not like, oh, can I get enough? It's like... Slow down there, there, Captain. You know, yeah. you're eating yeah. too much. Yeah. Like, I've never had the opposite option where it's like... Am I being gluttonous? Like, is there, is there going to be, you know, food for my family? Yeah. This whole um, idea also is so socially relative. I feel like if this guy Agar saw us, he would say, oh, wow, you live so opulently. Yeah. It can be very socially relative. Well, he lived, uh, you know, many, many years BC, so yeah, no matter what, no matter how well right, off he was. He was. By default, he was. <laughs> <All right>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny too because it, it depends on your, like you said, it depends on your society. Like, like in um, some certain poor countries, everyone has a cook, everyone has servants that wash the food right. or uh, wash the clothes thing. because uh, hiring people is really cheap. Mm-hmm. But they don't have air conditioning, so they're right. like yeah. sweating in a hundred degrees. But, they but somebody else is bringing them dinner, cooked for them. You know, so like yeah. it, it really does depend on what kind of society you're in, how you would measure wealth and that sort of thing. Talking about this reminds me of that verse in First Timothy where it talks about um, godliness being great gain when accompanied by contentment. And just that contentment portion, I think, is tied into this discussion. You know, God wants us to be content with, with what we have. In Philippians, Paul says that he's learned to be content in whatever circumstances he's, he is in. He's learned the secret of, of being content. Philippians 4.12 says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's a famous Superman verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it really means is, to be able to deal with your circumstances, right. mm-hmm. not leap tall buildings right. in a single bound. <laughs> right. Let's talk about laziness for a second. It seems like there are two extremes, like just coming off the words of Agar here a second ago with like, don't make me so rich, I forget you, and don't make me so poor that I dishonor you by stealing. There's also this one side where it's like, okay, well, I can live off of whatever situation someone might be in, maybe like they're living with somebody else or maybe they're, they have money from somewhere that's coming in or maybe they're, they're on welfare and they're just like, well, my basics are covered, so I'm just going to be lazy. Mm. And then on the other side of it, you have like the Elon Musk uh, workaholics mm-hmm. where they work hard and they're so industrious that they just burn the candle at both ends. And... So, like, what what does it mean to, like, steward our time or our energy, I guess? Like, what what would God want from us? And I'm not 
necessarily arguing for like just a middle position on everything. Mm -hmm. I think balance is good in many areas of life, but it's not necessarily always the target. So what do you guys think? I think it could be different things for different people, what God asks for you. And we know to whom much is given, much is required. But I think that is something that we should focus on. Like I certainly struggle with that a lot in my own life. And it's not always super clear to me exactly what God would want. But um, I think you should come to him in prayer. And if there is ever time when he doesn't give you a clear answer, like he's given you a head and you know when you're honoring him and you know um, when you're strung out and you know when you're getting lazy, um, I think you can sense your motives, you can sense your intentions. And if God fills your life, I think you're in a good spot. If you fill your life, that's something to reevaluate. I think in our culture, particularly here in the U.S., there's a huge emphasis placed on work and in, on industriousness. And there's been studies that show that Americans um, actually work the most out of uh, all developed countries. I don't quite know the reasons behind that, but I think in this context, having that balance where you're not working, where you're not sacrificing um, time with God because you're working. And I actually find myself guilty that sometimes like I'll, I'll, I miss fellowship because I'm working. And it does affect me. It does affect my mindset. If, if, if I miss fellowship one week, you know, it, it's, it's important for me to get back and, and to spend some real quality time with God because... You're always being nudged in a different direction. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. If, you're, if, if, if these things add up and it's affecting your relationship with God, you really have to evaluate that and say, hey, you know, do I need to do something in my life where, I, where I'm cutting time out for God? Like I'm changing, I'm rearranging my life for God. And if, and if it's work that's getting in the way, then... Yeah, I mean, that's something that you have to really take seriously. Yeah. As far as like how hard we work, there are certainly times where it's appropriate to work extra hours or to handle ourselves in what might be in, in the long haul an unsustainable manner mm-hmm. for a season. But I don't think we want to structure our lives like that on a regular basis because we're going to get stressed out, strung right. out, and it's going to kill our kindness, our goodness, our gentleness, our patience, all these fruit of the Spirit suddenly they're withered and falling off our spiritual trees <laughs> because we, we're not living a balanced life or a, um, uh, as far as like a work-life balance goes. And then as far as laziness goes, I mean, how, what's the cure to that? Let's say you're talking to a friend and that friend is like, just like, whatever, man, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to play video games and watch TV and not do anything. There are any number of places to go in, in the Bible, particularly Proverbs I'm thinking of that yeah. addresses this topic and, you know, going to them as a brother or sister and, and being loving about it and saying, you know, hey, I noticed some things. Here's yeah. what the Bible says. I love you. And this is something that I wanted to, to, to say to you. I think of especially somebody who, for whatever reason, isn't working. Maybe they're mm-hmm. on disability or maybe mm-hmm. there's some situation where, they're between jobs or whatever and there is a tendency where let's say if you know that you're going to be out of work for and there are some people that go from job to job like they're they have a job for however many months and then they're off work until they find another job or until they're right it's like a chronic thing yeah i mean Mm -hmm. it's like just part of their rhythm of the year so to speak and i'm not i'm not saying that in a negative way i'm just saying like there are some industries that are just like that like take um a lot of the arts are like that, where you work a, a play or a show or you do a fashion shoot or maybe you work a movie and then you're, you're out of work for a little while until you find, you know. And so in, in those cases, you have to find things to do. Mm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, you don't need money. Great. So don't work. But you can still work for God. You can right. still work 
for the poor. You can still do things that are a, a need within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And in, in those seasons, you have an opportunity to steward your time well for God. Yeah. Or retirement. Yeah. You know, should, should any of us be lucky enough to... <laughs> to uh, I, think, any, I think our generation missed the boat a little bit. <laughs> have any kind of retirement available to us. Is retirement that moment where it's really finally all about me? And I can do whatever I want because I have this like pile of money that I've squirreled away for 50 years in over the years and it's compounded theoretically that's going to happen uh (laughs) right and uh now i don't have a job nobody's telling me what to do you know i've got an rv and i can go wherever i want i can sleep in my rv yeah Uh, and um so like is is that for from a christian perspective an appropriate mindset no, I mean, I think if you look at the example of Paul or any of the apostles or Jesus, you know, they were working for the Lord up until the time of their deaths. And, but I would think in retirement, I mean, you're freed up to do God's work more than at any other point yeah. in your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So not it, that I'm qualified to give advice, retirement advice, but I mean, <laughs> that's the time to capitalize on and, and ask what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or if it's somebody between jobs, like I was saying, it doesn't have to necessarily right. be an age thing. It's like, all right, for whatever reason, I'm in a situation where I have surplus time right. and I have enough resources to be okay and covered. What do I do? Do I subscribe to Amazon, Netflix, Voodoo, <laughs> local cable, and like two other ones that nobody's ever heard of? Or, yeah. And just like keep up on everything <laughs> in the television world oh my gosh <laughs> can you imagine Barf. or no. uh you know do i just you know get get some like hobby to fill my time well i think i think there is there is a case where it's like all right god's not an ascetic where he's like D- if it feels good you can't do it mm-hmm. i don't think that's the position at all no like i think you could travel i think you do things but like god needs to be in there yeah in that mm-hmm. in that consideration part of life calculation yeah whatever whatever you know and i i think of you know i've seen this done well by uh in particular sam lance you know at our church where he has this saying every day saturday right from the time he retired Mm. he's like every day is saturday for me but even with that that uh mindset he's done so much that uh as, as far as helping people on their houses fix things. I mean, put it in a hot water heater, all these different kinds of things. And, and I really appreciated his, and I, we've talked about him before and about Bud before on the show as well, and how Bud Charbonneau yeah. just like spent so much time reaching out to folks and trying to bring them into the church. It was and, his job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that those, whether you're retirement age or not, if you're in a situation where you don't need to work for whatever reason, I think you do still need to work. It's just right. not for money. And it says, I don't know if it's in Genesis, but it says that God designed work to serve a, f- a purpose in, in a person's yeah. life. Yeah. I mean, without work, what are you, and particularly without working for God, you know, what are you doing? Right. And there, there is like this grandmother thing that I've seen a number of times in plenty of people's families where a lot of times you have a, 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 a dual income household, husband and wife both working, right? Mm-hmm. And now that's where the grandma comes mm. in or grandpa comes in and watches the kids the a couple of parent. days a, a week. Yeah. And, you know, it really makes such a big difference. And, you know, that that's just like a simple thing, but it's it's a life changer if you have that as a need and then you have somebody that's willing to give in that way. Mm. As opposed to the grandparent that's just like, 
Yeah, you know, I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm over here in Las Vegas pulling slot machine oh. levers for <laughs> a quarter apiece because I don't, you know, I've got this pile of money and I got to spend it before I die. Right. <laughs> Which is just crazy. But, uh, you know, I mean, so we talked about stewarding what we have. We started talked about stewarding if we have not just not money necessarily, but extra time. Hmm. Right. So what time, else? time is money. <laughs> yeah. So what else, Rose? <laughs> oh, just along the lines of retirement, certainly in the people that I've seen. And then also even thinking way down the road to my own um, fantasy of a retirement. Right. Um, I think what you choose to fill your retirement with is a litmus test of your priorities and where your heart is. You're freed from your day job to do what's most important to you. And I think if you walk with God and God does become the biggest thing in your life, yes, you can have fun on the side. Absolutely. Um, Nobody's saying that you can't and we have the kingdom to look forward to and that will be way better than any retirement we could generate for ourselves in this life. But when you are freed from the constraints of your nine to five or whatever, that's the chance to show your priorities. And if you want to you know, play golf all the time, like you'll be talking about it. Trust me, the retirees talk about it. You become like an evangelist of your lifestyle in yeah. retirement a lot. And if God is something to you, you might be the one who really has something to talk about um, when other retirees get together. While they're out going to the yard sales and playing bingo and out golfing or whatever it is they do, you can be making a difference in people's lives. Um, and I think that could be the most fulfilling of all. Yeah, absolutely. What else do we have on the subject of stewardship and uh, stewarding our resources? We'd be remiss if in, in this discussion if we didn't talk about taxes. The Bible is very clear uh, that you should pay your taxes. That you know that verse that talks about render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's. Jesus was very clear; he couldn't have been more clear that you you respect your leaders and you pay your taxes, and that's just a facet of life that that the Bible is uh, clear on. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's so radical about it, too, is that the taxes are going to a foreign occupying government. Right. I mean, this is like the mm-hmm. this is like telling the colonies to pay their taxes to England. Right. Before As the they Revolutionary War. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, things are heating up. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is speaking only 40 years before the Revolutionary War of 70 AD. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, just give it just give it to Caesar. And Paul says the same thing in Romans 13, where he says, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due or is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor mm-hmm. to whom honor is owed. So what the Christian position on taxes is, even when it's completely unjust, mm-hmm. even when it's absolutely revolting, we pay our taxes. How much more when it's yeah. just like mildly corrupt? <laughs> yeah. There can be <laughs> or some doing well. Right. Yeah. There can be some controversial um, commands that were given to the early church in the New Testament that we can read and kind of wonder if it applies to us. And sometimes the command can be made nebulous in its application due to the culture. In this case it's made crystal clear. If it applied in that culture, absolutely it applies in ours. And also in the record where Jesus directed Peter to to catch a fish to pay the temple tax. That was an example not only of, hey, you know, pay your taxes, but also, hey, God provides. Sort of a dual message there, um, well, and if, that, you ha- if you have faith in him. And there was also a religious significance because Jesus points out, like, who pays the taxes, the, the, the son of the king or everybody else, or I don't remember exactly how he put it, but, like, basically, he should not have been paying the temple tax. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of God. They should be paying him the temple tax. <laughs> right. And... Uh, Yet he still paid it because it was like, well, so, so we don't offend them because it's the right 
thing to do in this particular situation. And that wasn't even really a political tax. That was a religious tax, ta- mm-hmm. a temple tax for the upkeep of the temple and for the uh, payment of the priests who minister there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've, ta- we've been talking about, you know, how important it is to be content, how important it is to trust God, um, to provide, um, and, you know, what a weight off that that truth is uh, when, you, when you have faith in Him. And so that sentiment is probably best distilled in Hebrews uh, 13.5, where it says, Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And there we put our stake in the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God first. God has been incredibly generous to us, and God has gifted us with so much, uh, so much in the way of knowing Him with our resources. It is an honor to steward our resources on His behalf, and I pray for all of us that we'd have great wisdom and that we would have energy um, and passion and that we would be driven to do our best with the wonderful gifts that our Father has given us. I hope we challenged you. Please join the conversation, add your comments. We love hearing from you. Today I'm going to say goodbye in Lingala, which is, help me with this, Dan, what is this language? I believe it's a mixture of, of French and Swahili that's spoken in the Congo. I know it's spoken in the Congo, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's French and Swahili. Okay, awesome. I love fusion languages. Goodbye, guys. Tikala malamu. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out the other episodes in the Stewardship series, just scroll down in the podcast feed or head on over to restitudio.org, and you can find the other episodes there. Also, Offscript Episode 6 addressed the subject of consumerism. And so if you haven't yet listened to that one and you're interested in drilling down a little bit more on uh, on the aspect of shopping and how that affects stewardship, take a look at that. And there's also an article that I wrote that goes along with that episode. Furthermore, really the best biblical theology of finance that I've ever seen was from Podcast 4. It's a rebroadcast of Craig Blomberg talking about his book, Neither Poverty Nor Riches. And as you heard in this episode, that's something that we leaned on, the words of Agur from Proverbs 30, and it really is a good catchphrase summary statement for the biblical position on finances. So take a look at podcast number four, listen to that. You can also access that on YouTube. Just type in Craig Blomberg and finance or riches, and you'll be able to find it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.